Turn with me, if you will, to our text for the day. It's in John 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom He had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for Him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with Him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. This is a story, actually it's a story about two disciples. One is Judas Iscariot, whom I'll talk about in a minute. The other one is Mary. And what's great about this story, is one of those rare stories that's actually found in all four Gospels. That doesn't happen very often. And what that tells us as students of the Word is that this was a significant story and this woman was a significant woman. And in fact, in in Mark, Jesus uh, says about this woman that whenever the Gospel story is told, she will be remembered for what she did that night. In, in Mark and in Matthew, Jesus, the woman anoints Jesus' head. In Luke, uh, the woman comes in and disrupts everything and, and weeps on Jesus' feet before anointing it with the nard. This nard business is, uh, is very expensive oil that is used to make a lot of different things. It's used to make ointment it's used to make it's kind of the foundation of perfumes and uh, other anointing oils and burial uh, oil as well and it was very very expensive in fact about a pound of it would have cost a year's wages to buy a pound of this thing which begs the question what was mary doing with this box of very expensive oil. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't hang around with rich people, <laughs> right? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were just, you know, your everyday folks. Uh, and this, isn't, this is indeed the same Mary and Martha we met earlier in Luke uh, who were fighting over which one it was being more appropriate uh, Martha, who was working in the kitchen and serving everybody and doing all the work, or Mary, who was sitting at Jesus' feet and receiving those teachings, while Jesus, in this instance, sided with Mary, uh, uh, which is, I know that we have a lot of Marthas in the Baptist faith, and, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry about that. I don't know what Jesus, but uh, Mary, uh, Jesus lifts up Mary in that instance as the appropriate disciple, and again, she is lifted up here as this appropriate disciple. And we don't, 
We know very little, uh, again, like I said, this is in all four Gospels. And this is the only one that actually names the woman as Mary and Martha, as, as the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. And in this, in John's setting, this is a celebration dinner. And what are they celebrating? We talked last week about they raised Lazarus, Jesus lay, raised Lazarus from the dead. Of course they're going to celebrate. So they throw this big feast, and of course the guest of honor is Jesus and uh, here comes Mary. In the other Gospels, she's called a sinner. Uh, in the other Gospels, there seem to be some other things going on. And again, I come back to this very expensive jar. Who knows where she got that? Uh, we can picture a lot of different things, uh, a lot of different ways uh, a single woman in Palestine might have come across a pound of nard. Uh, likely, uh, perhaps, a woman who maybe was married at one time, but perhaps her husband grew weary of her and kicked her out, leaving her to her own devices. So she goes back to the house of Lazarus, goes back to the house of Martha, and lives with them. Or perhaps she was left on her own and exploited you, you, there, were only, there were only three options for women who were kicked out of their house. Uh, they could go find, uh, go live back with their father, right? If they had a son, they could live with the son. Or they could go and prostitute themselves in some way. I guess they could find another man to marry him, but that wasn't very often. Or they would become prostitutes or some other. There wasn't really a a socially acceptable way for women to earn their own living. So whatever she was doing to earn enough money to buy this nard, I suggest probably wasn't something that people talked about very much. And here again, I, I say if she was put in this position, you have to picture someone who was left out was pushed out by the propriety of society and by the norms of her time and left with no recourse. And I'll tell you what, we live in a world then and we live in a world now where when we find someone who's at the lowest of their low, there are parts of this world who will do everything they can to lift that person up, but there are parts of this world who will do everything they can to take advantage of that. And to steal what little that person has left. And perhaps Mary was one such individual who broken and left and without hope or resource was used and abused and left to wallow in her guilt and left to wallow in her shame. And perhaps... Martha, being a loving sister, took her in. But maybe Martha made her eat her lunch about it every day. <laughs> you know, who knows? There would have been a lot of shame and guilt, agony about that. Pretty much that would plague her the rest of her life. And along comes Jesus. Along comes Jesus. Told her, 
you are God's daughter. He told her, your sins are forgiven. He told her, I don't condemn you. Stand up and walk. Go and sin no more. Who told her that the kingdom of God belongs to those who mourn and grieve and who are left out, who are persecuted and trampled on. Who told her that those who have won't have and those who don't have will have. Told her, I love you. God loves you. And her response in this text and in the other three versions of this text, her response is not captured in words. There were no words. And and even if all of this didn't happen, she did watch her brother raised from the dead. She'd lost so much And that so much was given right back to her. The power of God's love. The power of Jesus Christ displayed. Who is the resurrection and the life. Acknowledging that in her heart of hearts. She lacked the words. So she went and got this expensive, the most expensive thing she had. So expensive, she probably just she dabbed she probably dabbed a little tiny bit on her neck when she went out, you know. Used it sparingly. Maybe that was her retirement, right? I'm gonna sell this and then I'm gonna move out of Martha's house and <laughs> go make my way. Perhaps perhaps she had gotten it from someone who wasn't in her life anymore. But whatever, it was the most expensive, most valuable, or maybe it represented something in her life. And she she brought it to Jesus and she poured all of it out. Every last drop thrown on His nasty, Galilee-walking feet all bunioned and gnarly no tail the the toenails are probably all messed up she throws it down on him it drips down off onto the floor into the dirt fills the room glorious perfume it says it all giving up my the only thing i know to do in this moment the only thing i know to do says mary in response to what i have received through you of god the only thing i know to do is to give you everything everything i have everything i am pouring it out it was a very intimate moment in a very public place. It, w- it would have been one of those things where you feel like, should we leave? 
<laughs> Should we leave? This is a little... It was quite extravagant. I mean, like ridiculously extravagant. I'm sure Martha was going, geez, Mary, you know, a, a thank you note would have done just fine. Come on. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> but she was pouring out more than just perfume. This is what gratitude looks like. This is what redemption looks like. This is what new life looks like. Amen? You can give me amen. That's all right. <laughs> this is what forgiveness, mercy, grace, acceptance looks like. This is what discipleship looks like. That's really the crux of this story today. And I'm, I'm, maybe I'm confusing you. I know Mary doesn't get listed among the disciples, but I assure you, in the eyes of the Bible, she is a disciple. And Jesus, over and over again, every time Mary's name is mentioned, she is lifted up as an example of what a disciple is. And in this case, she is a disciple with appropriate gratitude that looks outward. Gratitude is something that shoots out of us, out there. And in this instance, she poured her gratitude and her praise and all that she is and all that she has onto Jesus' feet. Contrast that with the other disciple mentioned in this story, Judas, who we know John doesn't care for by the way he talks about him every time. But uh, here's Judas, who thinks to himself, how, uh, how can I address this? How can I make myself look good in this situation? Hey, we ought to give that stuff to the poor. Uh, <laughs> which our narrator clues us in. He doesn't care about the poor. He just, A, he probably wants to look pious. And B, if all that money went into the poor box, he's in charge of the poor box. How's that go? He takes a little cut, you know, a little cut for himself. Administrative fees, just like our bank. I don't want to, don't get me on that. Don't get me on that. Judas and our bank <laughs> takes a cut. And, uh, you know, so he's looking for that. Here's the thing, though. Here is the, his example of discipleship is one that looks inward and says, wait a minute, how is this affecting me? How can I, get, how can I make this work for me? How can this help me? How can this make me look good? How can I turn this around to be about me? And my piety. How can I get God to look at me? How can I get Jesus to lift me up? How can I be the disciple that Jesus loves? That isn't gratitude. That's self-absorption. That's selfishness. Self-obsession. We see where that took Judas. In just a few verses, actually. It's been Lent for, this is our fifth week of Lent. We've been, hopefully, we've been looking inward. And we've been talking to God. And we've been communing with God. And we've been inviting the Holy Spirit to 
nurture us a little bit and to show us what our relationship with Jesus is and what it could be, what it should be, and what it can be. I hope in that searching you've experienced a few moments where you're like, wow, where would I be without this? Look at what God has done in me, for me, with me, around me, in me. Wow. And we're invited to take that gratitude, point it outward. It's ironic, or it's telling that the same word used to describe this woman washing Jesus' feet and drying it with her hair. It's the same phrases that is used when Jesus washes the feet of the disciples in just a few verses in John. Same phrasing. So here she's foretelling what true discipleship looks like. Jesus has to go back and tell all the other guys. (laughs) She's ahead of the game. This is what discipleship looks like. It looks like gratitude poured out. And, you know, we don't have Jesus' feet to wash anymore. What we do have is this hurt and broken world around us. Some people, a lot of commentary is made about the phrase that Jesus used, the poor are always with you. In fact, some, some people look at that and they go, well, nothing we can do about the poor. They're always with us. Uh, I, I think that's a misreading of what's going on here. Because we get, there, I, I can point to 7,000 other texts that tell us we have an obligation for the poor. In fact, he may be quoting Deuteronomy 15, which says, Indeed, the poor are always in your land. Therefore, I command you, have an, outst- have an outstretched hand to your brothers and sisters, and to the poor and needy in your land. Have an outstretched hand. Care after the poor and the needy because of that. So I hear these words as a charge and a condemnation. Judas, you always have the poor around you. And it comes with an obligation. And if you want to show me your gratitude you'll acknowledge and take care of those poor. But this woman has anointed me for my death and my burial. She's done a good thing. Poured herself out here. We, as disciples, are invited to pour ourselves out for Christ. Give it all. Hold back nothing. To take the best of what we are, the best of what we have, say, it doesn't even come close to the life I've received. But it's yours. Here's my promise. Jesus will tell you what to do with it. Right? Um, the reason this song touches me so much because I feel like this woman. I just feel like this woman. 
I just don't know where I would be or who I'd be. I don't know what my life would be like. But Jesus, you know what? Jesus came to me just... I know I sound all evangelical on you here, but I'm, when, when I felt like I found new life in Christ, it saved my life. Honest to God. Saved my life. And my response, I don't even, you know, it didn't even look like a sacrifice to me. My response was, I don't ever want to do anything but that. That's why I'm here. I don't ever want to do anything but that. That's what I want to do. Amen. That's our invitation. Do that. <laughs> Spend our lives in that. All that that moment with Christ is. To dedicate ourselves and give ourselves over to that. Because that changes the world. That is what transforms brokenness into wholeness. That is what gives us hope. That is what the kingdom of God looks like, not what the kingdom of the domination system of the world looks like, Rome looks like. So as we wrap up Lent, we come to Holy Week next week. As we prepare our hearts for the pinnacle of what that is, Jesus overcoming death, we are invited to make commitment. A lifelong commitment. A lifelong journey. Let us pray. Loving God, we don't know where we'd be if not for your love. And that's the truth of it. We receive so much, it be, just becomes something we can count on and take advantage of and take for granted. May this day, may we recommit ourselves being pouring out our praise pouring out ourselves like oil from alabaster. In the name of Christ we pray.